0: Good to see everybody here this morning, and I hope you're pumped up for the message. If you're not, we have um, a doctor, a nurse, and, uh, and we have a defibrillator, we have those things, and, and uh, but we're ready. We're ready. Good to have you today. If you're new, and we've got some new people here, and, and we'd like to get connected with you, so you can go to mybethel.cc forward slash connect, or on the back of the, the chairs around the building. We have some QR codes that you can just scan with your smartphone and uh, get connected. We, we, like, like I said, we want to serve you, get to know you better. If you're online and maybe it's the first time that you've gotten online to see us, you can also go to mybethel.cc forward slash connect and get connected with us. And we're in a series of uh, called Acceptable Lies. And Reuben, one of our pastors, is going to be talking to us today and going back uh, and seeing. We're going to go and see an acceptable lie that we tell ourselves sometimes that uh, my value is determined by what I do. And, uh, and that's a lie. We're going to see some scripture and some truth from God's Word that will help us realize my value is determined by who created me. So let's get ready for God to speak to us, and uh, let's get connected to His Word and uh, enjoy what God's got for us this morning. Lord bless you.
1: Good morning, Bethel. How's everyone doing today? Good, good. good. Awesome, awesome. It is great to uh, see everyone in the house. Uh, it's good to see, well, I guess I can't see you, but uh, it's good to have you guys visiting online or being with us online if you are out there in the interweb. Um, we're continuing in our, uh, acceptable lies series. And so, uh, saw some new faces this morning. So I want to kind of, uh, help you understand where we're at and what we're, what we're kind of talking about. Cause you say acceptable lies and you say, man, well, lies aren't acceptable, right? Like <laughs> we shouldn't tell lies. Um, and that's not good. So we're actually walking through some lies and exposing them for what they really are, which are lies. And so we've defined it like this, that an acceptable lie are lies that we have made an agreement with ourselves, society, and culture to collectively accept as truth. And they actually change the way we operate our lives. They change our thinking. They change the way that we treat uh, each other, the way that we really treat ourselves. Um, and so we want to expose those lies and not allow the enemy to have a foothold in our lives to be able to really direct our uh, the way that we live. And so we want to speak it out. We want to talk about that this is a lie that we s- sometimes accept or operate as if it's true, and we want to speak truth over it and equip you to be able to uh, live in truth and what, the, what Scripture actually says. And so um, Lies are only powerful when we accept them as truth, right? So once I realize or once I have uh, a sense or uh, make an agreement that w- that statement or that thing is a lie, I can then go in a different direction. And so we want to we teach truth. We want to make sure that we are operating our lives in such a way um, as living by truths, not by the lies that sometimes were sold uh, by our culture or society or even the, the things that we make up in our own mind. And so this morning, I want to tackle a lie that's uh, pretty near and dear to my heart. I'm pretty passionate about it because it's a lie that I've actually found myself several times throughout my life uh, operating as if it was true. And that's the lie that my value is determined by what I do or maybe my accomplishments. And this is a subtle lie. Um, it's a lie that when we speak it out loud, um, we don't necessarily pick up on it sometimes as a lie, and, and it's really an internal one. It's not one that necessarily we would say out loud to someone, but it's a dialogue or a narrative that happens inside our own mind, and it actually causes a lot of turmoil within our soul and our spirit um, as we live life. And so our world is filled with negative messages about who we are, um, and so, like I said, I'm pretty passionate about this topic, and I've found myself several times throughout my life buying into this lie, and really, it's a lie that is rooted in identity. I believe that at some point in our lives, we've asked ourselves the question, who am I? How many of you guys have ever asked yourself that question, who am I? Right, And so if we're not careful, the temptation is to try to grab onto or hold onto something that's tangible, that we can look to, that we can say, oh, because I did this or because I accomplished this, I've now made it or I've now arrived at a certain point in my life and I can say, you know what, I've done a pretty good job, I'm I, I, I have value and I have purpose in this life. And so the temptation is to try to grab something around us or grab something that's tangible that we can... Uses an identifying marker in our lives to say, okay, I'm valuable because I've done this, or I'm valuable because I haven't done X, Y, or Z. And so it's really rooted in identity. And throughout the next 20 minutes, I mean, we're, the, the goal is to uh, really land on a, uh, a conclusion of where our value is actually found. But this is a lie that's not going to be solved in the next 20 minutes. It's going to take some work for us to really remind ourselves of truth and to go back to that truth over and over and over again when we're tempted to try to find our value and our worth in something other than uh, that, is, that is true, which is which is Christ. And so, um, here's here's a good example of this. So, when somebody does something that's way out of character, when somebody uh, maybe goes off the rails or says something crazy or that's out of line for them or they do something, they take an action that's out of line for their character or who you know them to be, right? what What is one of the things that we ask ourselves internally or sometimes some of us would even verbalize it and we would say, we would say this phrase, who are you right like it takes a it takes us back when somebody does something that's out of character uh, for who we know them to be our response oftentimes is who are you and though not a bad or inappropriate response it speaks to this idea that a lot of times our culture and our society and we as people are operate and we treat people as if their value goes along with what they do or their identity is tied to what they do or don't do right Um, and so uh, this is because many times we are 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 tempted to operate in that way and so if you are not fully convinced and this is I, i want this to settle in your heart this morning if you are not fully convinced that you are loved and accepted by God, then you will always chase after approval from the world around you and you will be tempted to find your identity in what you do, okay? So if you are not fully convinced that you are loved and accepted by God, then there will be a temptation, always an underlying temptation in your life to try to grab onto and chase after identity and value in what you do or what the world says about you, okay? And I think the world, uh, the world we live in causes us to be faced with somewhat of an identity crisis, and it really boils down uh, to this. I, I think it boils down to our desire to be known, right? We say here at Bethel all the time, we say you can't, it's impossible to know or to be known by everyone, but it's very vital and important for you to know and to be known by someone, We want you to be in relationship. We want you to be in community with other people because if we walk around and we never fulfill this desire to be known, then we're going to walk around and we're going to convince ourselves that we have no value. We're going to convince ourselves that that we're frauds or that we don't uh, don't matter or we don't have anything to offer because we find ourselves alone. So we want to put ourselves in community. We want to put ourselves in relationships to where we can know people and people can know us and they can walk through the challenges that we have in this life. They can walk through the hard times that we have. They can walk through maybe sin issues that we have or things that we're struggling with um, and find ourselves going back to over and over again. And I think uh, many times we often feel this pressure to become famous, right? In some sort of way, whether that's famous at work, famous in your home, famous at school for students that are sitting in the room, uh, famous maybe for something in your community. And we all have this deep desire to be known for something. I remember when I was a teenager, I mean, I did some, just some stupid stuff, stuff that really, actually not even teenage, like my frontal lobe wasn't fully developed, but I was in college uh, one time and there was all the, like I was a freshman in college. I didn't know anyone from Adam. I moved from Michigan all the way to Missouri and I found myself at Table Rock Lake uh, on, I think it was Labor Day, Um, and they would always go to Table Rock Lake and we would jump off cliffs and stuff like that. And there were some students that were jumping off a bridge into the water. And I was like, dude, that looks like really high. And they're like, yeah, it's about 80 feet. And I was like, whoa, like that could kill you. There's actually on my way up. So I was like, man, if this, like I'm a freshman, I got to make, I got to, I got to make a statement. I got to be known for something. Right. And so I walk up, I start to walk up to this, uh, toward this bridge and on the pathway, there's a sign that says, if you get caught, you will be charged with attempted suicide because it's so high, like, and it could kill you. And you would think that would be enough of a warning sign, or if you get caught, you would be charged a $10,000 fine for jumping off the bridge. And so I'm like, right past the sign. I was like, I got to make a statement. I got to be known for something, right? And so I get up there and knees shaking. Dude, I jumped off this bridge and I'm telling you what, I'll never do it again, but I wanted to do it once because I wanted to be known as the guy who wasn't afraid to jump off the bridge, right? We all have those moments in our life where I think we chase after something. Now, please hear me. Don't jump off bridges. It's really bad, and if you're a young person in the room, please uh, don't follow my advice, okay? Okay. Uh, because I'm recognizing now, as an adult, that was not a good idea, and it was terrible. So, but I, I wanted to be known for something. I think all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we have this deep desire to be known for something and to be, to be fully known by the people around us. Um, and so, this is why we work really hard at, at the jobs that we do. We're, we're constantly chasing at, after being better and better at the things that we do. And many times, it stems from this desire to make something of ourselves. Um, from, the early, from my earliest years, I remember how many of you guys were ever asked the question when you were growing up, what do you want to be when you grow up? Okay, uh, most people in the room. And if you weren't asked that question, I'll ask it now. What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, I remember being asked that question and I don't think it's a harmful question or a question that's meant to do harm, but here's what happens, right? Like as a kid, you get this idea in your mind and whether you're, you would say, oh man, I want to be a fireman or I want to be an astronaut or I want to be, a lot of times uh, a kid will follow the trend of one of their parents and say, oh, I want to be what, I want to be, you know, whatever my parents do, right? And so we get this idea and we lock this idea in our mind and then we chase after it. And, our, and well-meaning parents come alongside their kids, and they kind of push them maybe in a direction once they kind of settle in and say, man, what are you going to pursue with your life? As they go throughout high school, you start to kind of ask some deeper questions and say, man, what are you going to study? What are you going to do? What are, you, are you going to uh, enter, go to the military? Are you going to study and learn a trade? Are you going to go off to college and get a degree? Like, what are you going to do? And we're kind of, kind of pushing them in that direction. And here's, here, here's the danger when we buy into this lie that, that culture tells us that our value is tied to what we do is that we attach our identity or we hitch our value, our worth, and our identity to that thing that we want to pursue or that thing that we do, and then we find our value or think that we are not valuable based on whether we ever accomplish or don't accomplish the thing that we set out to accomplish. Does that make sense? And so, um, and, and then you throw social media into the mix, and, you, and it's crazy. And I'm not a huge social media guy. I'm actually not on it very much. Um, my, my wife is always like, didn't you see that? I'm like, no, what are you talking about? She's like, here, it's posted right here. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Um, but I don't post very much on social media. I, I don't get on social media, but uh, the, many times I've, I had to face this question myself. is like, when I post on social media, I got to ask myself the question, am I posting this so that I can use it as maybe a library of sorts that I can refer to back later and say, oh man, that was a cool moment, or is my the motivation of my heart to post on social media hoping that somebody will see what I've done or something that I've experienced and think that I'm awesome and think that my life is better than it really is, right? So that's the temptation that I'm facing every day when I believe this lie that my value is tied to or determined by what I do or experience or accomplish in this life. I'm always going to be chasing after the next thing that will give me that that validation or that sense of accomplishment because I cling to it where I find my value. And the truth is we all want to be known. We all want to be noticed. And the reality is we want to know that our lives matter for something, right? And I don't think these are wrong desires, but when they're misdirected or misguided, we end up chasing sometimes after the wrong things and we get to the end of the road and we think that it's going to validate our value and who we are and then we find that it's empty. And so we, f- we jump on another road to chase after the thing that's going to validate that we matter, that, we, that our lives actually mean something, um, and it, it, we allow the world to d- d- determine our value. I just stuttered there. To, d- 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 determine, <laughs> to determine our value, and we lose sight of the fact that God settled our value and worth when he gave himself for us on the cross so that we could have new life. So we lose sight of that. And I want to look at a passage this morning that will help us maybe see uh, a little bit deeper what this, um, what this lie is doing in our culture and even in our own lives. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have an iPhone or an Android phone or whatever, if you have a tablet, something that you look on, uh, we have a live event on the YouVersion Bible app that you can look up and follow along. There's some notes along the way, or the verses will be up on the screen. So. Because uh, I want you to see this. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 15, he says, He, being Jesus, died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was uh, raised to life or for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view, At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. And then he says, how differently we know him now. This means that everyone who belongs or anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. So the old is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. And so uh we see this challenge that and I want to challenge you this morning that you would let your value be found in the one who created you and paid for you not in what you accomplish in this life, okay? And that's not to say that you shouldn't pursue things. That's not to say that you shouldn't try to set out to accomplish goals. That's not to say that you shouldn't work hard and chase after things. But it is to say that those things, whether you accomplish or don't accomplish them, don't change the value in who you are. Because Jesus says, or, or Paul's talking about, he said that when Jesus died, he actually died as a gift in your place so that you could experience life And that you could be moved, changed from the old way to a new way of life. He says that you've actually been transformed. And it gives us a new identity. It gives us something that we can hold on to and grab onto. And that thing that we hold on to and grab onto is not the stuff that we've accomplished. It's not the accolades that we've done. It's not the achievements that we've been able to experience in this life. But it's actually Jesus that we can hold on to, and who gives us a sense of identity. Who who makes us who we are, and gives us a set value not based on what we do, but what he's already done for us. And so when we put your faith in Christ, you are given a new life, you are given a new identity, and you are created new in Christ Jesus. You are his and he is yours because of what he has done for you, not because of what you will do or ever will accomplish in this life. So I want to I remind you this morning that your value is not because you are in a well-paying job. Your value, it doesn't come because you, have a, you own a large home. Your value doesn't come because you show up to church every week. Your value doesn't come from a successful marriage or a successful relationship. Your value doesn't come from whatever it is you fill in the blank of whatever it is that you're tempted to hitch your value and your identity to. It doesn't come from that. You are valuable because you are in Christ, not because you are in any of those things. And I remember growing up, and one of the reasons, man, that I... um, that I at one of the seasons of my life, I was young and I was er, it was early along in my ministry. I was a student pastor in a city called Owasso, uh, just outside Tulsa, and there was a heavy pressure on being uh, on a pastoral staff and I was guilty of, at moments and seasons, finding my identity and my value in being a good youth pastor. So I would look at other youth ministries in town, and I'd be like, man, they're having this event, or man, they're doing this thing, or man, they seem to be really successful. Maybe I'll chase after that, or maybe I'll chase after this, or maybe I'll do this. And what happened was I ended up wearing myself to the bone trying to keep up and trying to do more and to accomplish more so that maybe God would bless me. Maybe God would think that I was more valuable and, and, and maybe put something else in my lap that I could hold on to and say, oh man, I'm a great youth pastor. I, I'm valuable because I have X amount of students in our student ministry. Right? And I remember going through that season and how difficult it was and how challenging it was and how, how my thinking was so off base that because I believed in this lie that my value was tied to or was determined by what I was able to accomplish in this life. And there was no room, there was no freedom to experience what God had for me and to really seek what God was doing in my life because I had to be on to the next thing. I had to be doing more. I had to be doing the next thing so that I could prove myself to be valuable to the world around me, to the people that were in my sphere of influence, the students that God had entrusted to my care, and, if I'm, if I'm being honest, to God himself. Right? That God, somehow, some way, I believe that God, I was more valuable to God based on what I was able to accomplish, right, for him or for the name of, of Jesus. And, um, it really uh, set me into this several seasons of really just deep discouragement and deep depression because I felt like, man, I'm not able to accomplish the things that I feel like I should be accomplishing. And so therefore I'm a failure. Therefore I don't matter. Therefore it doesn't matter if I, if I give up or quit or whatever, because I'm just, my value was tied to the wrong thing. And so once I realized and once I began to understand my value doesn't come from what I do and what I'm able to accomplish, but my value actually comes from the one who created me, it changed my perspective. It changed the way that I looked at people. It changed the, the motivation for why I was doing what I was doing. And so um, you're, we know that we have value from the one who created us because he was willing to give his life for us. I want to look at one more passage uh, tonight, or tonight, this morning, in Ephesians chapter 2, and starting in verse 1. Again, the verses will be on the screen, um, also on the Bible event, so you can follow along. And starting in verse 1, he says this. says, you were dead because of your disobedience, or once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander, and the power of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So we see that the enemy is at work to try to distract us, to try to pull us away from, uh, from what Christ is trying to do in our lives. And he says, All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. And this is huge. He says, God saved you. Again, we see this idea of a gift. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And here's what I want to hit home this morning is that salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he had planned for us long ago. So God sent Jesus to die for us because he loves us not because we're perfect. He saw your value before you even said yes to him. And so we see, based on this passage, again, this gift. When I think of an idea of a gift, I think of somebody who gave me something out of the kindness and the goodness of their heart, not because I had done something to deserve or earn it. Right? And so when when it comes to our identity, when it comes to our value and who we are, it was settled on the cross because Jesus thought you were valuable enough for him to give his life so that you could have life. And that wasn't based on what you will do or what you have done or what you ever will do. That was based on him and what he did out of the kindness and love that he had for you. And he saw that you needed rescue and he came to rescue you in your place. And he thought you were valuable enough to give his life in your place. Verse number 10 says, You are his masterpiece. You are not just some meaningless thing wandering around the earth. You actually have purpose and you have value, not because of what you have done or what you ever will do, but because Jesus said so. And he is the one who actually created you, he's the one who has authority to give you value. He's the one, because he created you, he's the one and the only one who can determine your value. Psalm 139 tells us that we were knit together in our mother's womb, that we were actually intricately designed by God on purpose, by a creator who gave us purpose. And I think of my, my grandma, she would, uh, we would always go visit her house and almost always she was in her little rocking chair and she would, she would be knitting these blankets for us grandkids and she loved knitting. And I think of this idea and all of them were different. All of them, no two blankets were the same, they didn't have the same pattern, they weren't made out of the same yarn, uh, they weren't uh, made uh, to look the same. They were different sizes, they were different colors, they were, had different patterns, and all of that. But she loved it so much, and she gave those to us as a gift because she loved us. And I think of that process of knitting something together, and that is what God has done for you. He actually knit you together in your mother's womb, and it's this this idea that God created you on purpose, The color of your hair, the color of your skin, the size that you were when you were born, like God knew all of that on purpose and he gives your life purpose, he gives your life meaning, he gives your life value because he's the one who created you. And who better to know your value than the one who created you? Here I have um, a piece of paper that we call a $10 bill. Okay, so I want to ask you, how much is this piece of paper worth? $10. Okay, it's worth $10. Why is it worth $10? Because that's what it says. Okay, so the designer, the creator of the $10 bill said this is going to be worth $10. Now, let me ask you, if I wrinkle this dollar up or this $10 bill up, now how much is it worth? Well, why is it still worth $10? Because it says it is. And its creator said that it was worth $10. What if I threw it on the ground and I stomped on it? Okay. How much is it worth now? $10. I got to be really honest with you. These lights get kind of hot and I get nervous when I speak, so. Yeah, Yeah, okay. How much is it worth now? Yeah, you guys are like, I don't know if it's worth $10 now. <laughs> How much is it worth now? $10. What if I, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to put it on my mouth just because I don't know where it's been. Okay. But not because it was changed value. That's kind of wet. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. Who wants $10? I saw Kate and I saw your hand shoot up first. Come come and get it. But it doesn't come without questions. You got answers. Okay. Why do you want this $10? I mean, it's worth money. Yeah, but I stomped on it. Doesn't matter. Well, it's all wrinkly. Doesn't matter. Okay. It's got my sweat on it. Who cares? this is, this is your sweat is gross. Who says my sweat is gross? Well, so I say my sweat's gross. So, <laughs> And I created it. So, Okay. Here, you can have it. All right, you can, go, you, can go, you can go spend that $10 however you want. Okay, so Caden wanted that $10 because it was still worth $10. It didn't matter that it had been stomped on. It didn't matter that it was wrinkled. It didn't matter that I put my sweat on it. And here's what I want you to understand this morning is that that $10, its value was determined by its creator. And here's what's cool about that $10. I don't know where Caden's going to spend that. He may go buy a toy. I don't know. He may buy a pack of gum. He may, for all I know, he might be a financial genius, and he might invest that into a bank account somewhere, and it may turn into millions of dollars. I don't know where that $10 is going to go, but that $10 is always going to be worth $10 because its creator said it was worth $10. And so some of you here this morning are tempted to think that you have more or less value based on what you do, based on what you've been able to accomplish or maybe not been able to accomplish. Maybe last year wrecked your plans for your future. Maybe you find yourself in a financial situation where you're just really feeling like, I don't know that I can, I don't know that I have much to offer. Maybe you find yourself in relational situation where you feel like, man, I'm surrounded by brokenness and I don't know that I really mean much to anyone. Maybe you're going through something that's incredibly challenging and you're tempted to think That because you don't have value, God is purposefully rubbing that in your face. And because you're going through some challenges, you think, yeah, that makes sense. I'm not very valuable, so it makes sense that I would go through something like this. But whether that $10 is spent on a toy that two months from now gets broken and thrown in the trash, or whether that $10 was used to invest, invest to make millions, that $10 is still worth $10. And you are worth everything the Creator says you are worth, whether you make millions, whether you spend your life doing something that you may, may deem meaningless or mundane. Your life has value, not because you've done something awesome or not because you've been able to achieve all the hopes and the dreams that you had set out to accomplish, but simply because the creator that made you said you're valuable. So valuable, in fact, that he said, I'm going to make a way for you to be made new. I'm going to take your sin. I'm going to take your brokenness and I'm going to make it new. I'm going to transform you not because you're awesome but because I love you and you have value. And so I want everyone to bow their heads and I want you to think about this because the enemy would love for you to believe the lie that your value is determined by what you do. And I want you to take a second and I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to think and reflect on these truths. The truth is your value is determined by the one who created you. And he's the only one who has the authority and the ability to give you value. And because he created you. And I want to remind you this morning of a couple things that he says about you. If you continue reading in Ephesians or go back to Ephesians 1, you'll see some incredible things that the creator of the universe says about you. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, these are things that he says are without a doubt true because they're not based on you. They're based on him and what he has done for you. And Some of you need to hear this morning that you are his child. I think of this idea of being a child and I think of my four, my four kids and I don't know where they'll go. I don't know what they'll do. I don't know the mistakes that they'll make. I don't know who they will or will not get married to, what their job or their career path is gonna be. But I know this to be true, that I will always be their biological father because God has chosen to trust entrust them to my care. So no matter what they do, no matter where they go, no matter what they experience in this life, I'll always be their dad. And so I relate that to a, our Heavenly Father, and I think, man, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, no matter what mistakes I've made, He's adopted me into His family, And he will always be my dad. He calls me his child. That's a powerful thing that I want to remind you of this morning. Ephesians also says that you are chosen. And I think of myself on a playground as a middle school student wondering if my life had meaning. If I mattered to anyone. And then I relate that to a heavenly father who looked down from heaven and said, you matter. And so because you matter and you have value, I'm gonna choose to rescue you and give you new life. What an incredible thing. Some of you this morning, you need to hear that you are forgiven. Maybe you're carrying some past mistakes with you into this place this morning and you wonder if you've gone too far, if you've made too many mistakes for God to truly love you and to forgive you. And I'm here to tell you this morning, without a doubt, that scripture teaches that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've experienced in this life, when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus and his work on the cross, that we are absolutely forgiven for anything we have done or will do. What an incredible place of gratitude that we can now live our lives and pursue the things that maybe God has put on our heart, not as an attempt to bring value to our lives, but as an outpouring or an overflow of gratitude for what God has done to forgive us from everything that we've ever done. Some of you this morning, you need to be reminded that you're set free. You find yourself maybe going back to the same thing over and over and over again and repeating this cycle of asking God for forgiveness and then walking back right back into it. And Paul talks about this. He says that we have been set free from the bondage of sin. Why in the world would we walk back into it? And you need to hear this morning that you've been set free. You are no longer bound by your sin and your mistakes, but you've actually been set free by the Father who has the authority to set you free. And it says that those who are set free are free indeed. Some of you need to know this morning that you just simply belong to him. You're finding a place in this life and you struggle maybe to find uh, where you fit or or whatnot. Maybe you just moved to the area. Maybe you're, you've lived here for your whole life and... Uh, can't wait to get out. (laughs) I don't know. But I want you to know that because of Jesus, you can belong and have a place of belonging and that your life matters. Some of you this morning just simply need to hear that you are loved. And maybe this is just me, but sometimes when somebody tells me that, Instantly, I start to think of all the wrong that I've done, I've, all the things, the mistakes that I've made or the, the failures that I've experienced in my life. And I think to myself, no way. There's no way I can be beloved. And I'll tell you again, if you're not fully convinced that you are loved and accepted by God, you will always chase after approval from the world and find your identity in what you do. But I'm here to tell you, you no longer have to do that because you are fully loved. You are fully known by the Father who gave you new life. And so I want you to stop allowing your job or your friends or your accomplishments or your financial situation or your relationship status to determine your value. If you've put your faith in Jesus, he's given you a new identity that cannot be changed because it is based on him and what he did for you, not on you and what you can do or what you ever will do in this life. He paid everything because he loved you and because you are valuable. And so may this morning you be reminded in this week walk in the truth that your value is determined by the one who created you. Dear God, Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for the people that are in this place this morning. Um, And I don't know all their situations. I don't know what they're going through, what they're dealing with. Uh, But God, you do because you are the one who created them. You know everything about them. And so I'm asking you this morning to, that your spirit would fill our hearts and our minds with the truth that we have value because you gave us value, not because of what we've done or what we haven't done or what we ever will do. God, I love you and I thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you and I thank you that you are a God who loves us and created us and gave us opportunity to have life and to be made right with the Father. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing about who he says we are.